right. Welcome everybody back to another Community Conversations. I have four great friends here on the show, and we are going to be talking about a variety of topics. And normally my interviews, when I have people on the show, they're with um, older people. And today I'm representing the younger generation. So I'm excited for this one because I think there's so many questions out there that people have, especially in this generation. And there's so much noise, you know, there's just so much information floating around. There's YouTube, there's financial experts or self-proclaimed financial experts and financial advisors and YouTubers and bloggers and all these people out there that are trying to give financial advice, investing advice, or just like career advice. You're not saying I'm the expert at it for sure, but you know, hopefully we could cut through some of that noise and get to some of these questions that, that you may have and we could provide some answers and I'm excited for this conversation. So welcome everybody to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. All right. So what, what we're going to do is we're just going to go and, and have just a, a live conversation here with some Q&A. And so I'll, I'll turn the time over to you. And if you guys have questions, go ahead and kick it off and we'll go from there. So what kind of things are on the minds of students, 20-year-olds nowadays? Well, I can start us off. So I'm a business management marketing major. I've taken some econ classes, some accounting classes. And as far as finance goes, like you kind of said at the beginning, we hear all these different things. We're bombarded by all different inputs, what to invest in the stock market, when not to, real estate. And it's kind of like, I never feel like I'll be well-educated enough, know enough to start investing, to mm. know where to put my money. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and just kind of, want to ask you, where would you start if you were in our shoes? Where would you start looking to gain that education, to understand things? And then what would you do with your money? Yeah, no, and I think that's a great question. And I'm 43 years old now. So 20 years ago, the internet wasn't, I mean, it's just coming out really. Like the internet was just being like rolled out and as this new thing. And even at that time, it was confusing. I was going to college and it's like, okay, what do I do to get started? Because financial freedom was really important to me, even at a young age. I wanted to be free. I wanted to have the flexibility to do whatever I wanted. I've, I'm the type of person I never like people telling me what to do or like holding me back. I just want to be a creative, go be an entrepreneur and do my thing. So that was always an important question. So I think for your generation, there's a lot of noise out there. And, and here's the thing that you have to be careful of. It takes a long time often a long time and a lot of work to be successful, right? And there's so many videos out there and, and I like YouTube, but like when I'm watching YouTube, there's these ads that pop up. I'm sure you've seen some of them depending on what you're watching. But for me, I, I watch finance videos, investment videos, nerdy stuff like that. And there's always the people that pop up on the ads and like, okay, you know, join my program. And in 30 days, I'm going to make you, you know, turn a hundred dollars into a hundred thousand dollars. And here are my secret tips. And I just got to say like, there are get rich quick schemes out there. You could get rich quick. You could get poor quick, right? Or I know people that get rich quick, but then they're absolutely miserable. I know a lot of wealthy people that are miserable. So the key is, is how do you build enduring wealth? And I think that starts with fundamental principles. And I think that's a great question, Karina, as far as like how to get started at your age, you have to like put the work in and you have to start building skills because that's going to be really, really important is your earning power. It starts with earning power. And a lot of people in your age category, you know, I've worked with a lot, I've, I've mentored a lot, I've looked at the financials of a lot of younger people. Oftentimes it's not a spending problem. Okay. There, there are some spending issues here and there, but it's typically not a spending issue. It's more of an earning power issue. 
So it's building the skills right off the bat that will allow you to go out there and earn money, right? And and be able to cover your bills because things are getting expensive. You have inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just the cost of living is ridiculous. So right. building the skills so you're marketable, or if you want to be an entrepreneur, so you could go out there and, and be successful is really, really important. And that takes a lot of work. So going back to, it takes a lot of time to develop this stuff. I think oftentimes people look at somebody like Mark Zuckerberg or these other tech moguls and they're like, oh my gosh, I just want to go out there and create an app. And if I could just figure out how to create an app, I'll put it on the Apple store and I'll make millions of dollars and I'll be this millionaire right away. But what you don't realize is that Mark Zuckerberg, he was a nerd back in the day. He was like in the computer lab coding and putting in all the time before Facebook even became anything. So it's not like Mark Zuckerberg just one day is like, oh, I'm going to create Facebook in my dorm room. It's like all the thousands and thousands of hours that led up to that was really important, but that's what we don't see. So we look at people in their thirties or forties or fifties or sixties, and we're like, wow, they're really successful. I want to be like that, but we don't recognize the thousands and thousands of hours that it took to get there. So that's the first part. We're going to talk more about like investing and other things related to your money. But I wanted, I want to just like drive home that point because I think that's so important for younger people to understand is that you have to grind and you have to build the skills right up front. And then I'm going to get into the investing too, but did did that answer your question or what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, no, that was great. I can totally see that. I think educating and just learning and understanding putting forth that effort is kind of the biggest key. So, Yeah, for sure. So, If you don't mind my asking a follow-up on that one, actually. So Karina had you know, mentioned she's in marketing and all that. And well, my degree is in sociology. I Right now, I'm not looking at any, there's no way that I'm developing those skills with anything that I'm studying in school, really, or even really the jobs that I'm looking at here and around campus. You know, they're super simple, cheap, super minimal wage jobs. How do I start developing skills like that? in a natural way, I guess you could say. Well, it's interesting. I think that's a great question, Coleman, because there's hard skills and there's soft skills. So when I started my consulting firm, one of my first hires, one of my first interns, I should say that I hired, her name was Sarah. And guess what her degree was? You'd think that it'd be like business, right? Something related to finance because I was running a financial management and a strategy consulting firm, right? You think it'd be something like that? No, she was studying jazz as her undergraduate. The reason why I hired her though, is because she had excellent writing skills and she had like a 4.1 GPA, right? So it's like, she's taking the classes that puts you above the 4.0, right? So she, she like never got below an A minus. That'd be like devastating for her. So she is super hardworking. She could write really, really well. And she could articulate her thoughts super clear. And then when I met with her, just the way that she carried herself and she had this positive energy about her. I was like, okay, I have, I definitely have to hire this person. And she was great because everything else, finance, strategy, all that stuff, I could, I could teach her. She, she never really got into the quantitative stuff, like building spreadsheets and financial models. So she didn't go from jazz to building like these complex models, but she picked up strategy really quickly. And then she accelerated in, in, she got out of the internship program. She got hired on full-time and then it launched her career. And even though she doesn't work for me anymore, I keep in touch with her. And just recently I talked to her and she's getting promoted to a director level. She's on track to be a partner in this consulting firm and she's young, right? So I think, you know, to your question, it's like some people study psychology or sociology or, or random like things, and then they end up in finance or business or engineering or whatever it may be. I think it's building the skills. Can you communicate? Can you carry on a conversation with people? Can you market yourself? Can you like sell yourself? 
Because if you can sell yourself, you can sell product, right? Do you have good follow through? Like if you say you're going to do something, are you going to follow follow up with that? So building those skills are like really, really critical. Then you could dive in and get even more technical as time goes on. Sweet. Okay. DC, what are your thoughts? Do, do people in your peer group and people that you talk to, are they pretty terrified about getting out of school and just making it financially? Because I can imagine as a student, you get out of school and I don't even know what an apartment goes for nowadays. What is it like? Fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month for you know pretty small apartment, and then you got all your other bills, and it just seems like dang, you got to like hit the ground running. So, what are your thoughts on that, and what do you hear on the streets? So, from what I've been looking at and kind of my perspective, there's been a lot of like talk about like is college even necessary? Should I like pursue I'm searching for these I guess skills somewhere else instead of having to pay a lofty lump of money uh, to school and get into debt? There's also questions like, even when you're in school, how can I find a job that's not getting minimum wage, that's just on campus behind a register working for the school, you know? How can how can you find uh, and find a revenue or just a source of income that isn't just what gets you through, you know, what can actually help you start saving money? I think for me, I, I'm very, like, privileged to have um, a remote job. But even like with a lot of my buddies, uh, they always are looking for jobs here in Rexburg and it's a college town. So all the good jobs are gone, but the other jobs are just kind of hanging out and everyone, no one wants to have them, but they all have to, you know, they all have to do it, you know? Yeah. And so I guess the question I think that we face right now, and I think that a lot of students face is how can I like apply myself to a job and find a job that is actually worth me working and I can actually get a good amount of income out of it so I can pay for stuff while also being able to focus on school. And I think those are the big things. Let's take a quick break. All right. I have to interrupt the show, but I'll be super quick. I have a question for you. Who are you working for? Chances are you're working for everyone else besides yourself. Think about it. You're working for shareholders by grinding away in someone else's company. You're working for a bank by paying interest. You're working for the government by paying taxes. You're working for social media companies by giving your attention to their paid advertisers. You're working for your friends by doing crap that you don't want to do. You're working for everyone else by not pursuing the most essential things you are destined to achieve. Look, I've been there. I'm still there at times. Ugh, it could be so frustrating. If you want to achieve financial freedom, the fastest way to do it is through business. Don't get tricked by get-rich-quick schemes. Don't be fooled that your 401k is going to build you wealth. Don't waste time by trying to piece business finance together. Check this out. Here's my invitation. Go to byfiq.com, which stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ, and check out our programs. We have one for every possible path you're on. Whether your goal is to become fluent in business finance, launch a profitable business, or scale a business successfully, we have a solution to help you. I promise you, your life will change when you take action. So check out these opportunities that I've prepared for you. Now back to the show. No, and I think that's a great point. And I think when people try to give advice and they say, look, if you want to be, for example, like a CFO or you want to be a, you know, a VP or whatever it is, and you aspire to these different positions. So in order to do that, you have to get a four-year degree in, in this type of program, go get your master's, get five years experience here, work your way up the ladder, and then you'll land in this dream job one day and you'll be set. I I, I don't believe that. I think that's a lie. I, I think life is like so messy. It's not even like this linear line. It's this 
ball in the web of mess. And let me explain. So when I started my first job, I was working at Dairy Queen, $4.25 an hour is what I made, $4.25 an hour. And I remember my boss one day, he pulled me aside. He said, Steve, you're doing a great job. I'm going to give you a raise. I'm going to bump you up to $4.35 an hour. I was like, 10 cents? So I like work 40 hours a week, right? And that's like $4 and you tax it. It's like, you just gave me like two bucks, dude. So I left there and I went and worked for a landscape company. And my friend is like, hey, you should come work at this company and you make 10 bucks an hour. So back in 1995, I was like, wow, that's that's a great deal. 10 bucks an hour, I like doubled my wage. So I went and worked there and I did that for a couple summers and then they went out of business. And then I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Like my job disappeared. So I started handing out business cards. And this is where like nowadays you have the internet and you have so many other resources at your fingertips, but I was handing out like paper business cards and I started doing sprinkler work and landscape work for people. And now I'm charging 50 bucks an hour to go fix somebody's sprinkler system. So I went from 10 bucks an hour to 50 and I was marking out my parts. So really I was making like 70 to hundred bucks an hour. So that's what I started out with. I was in school and I thought that's what I was going to do. Business management. When I was in my junior year, I was in college, and I don't recommend this for you guys. So don't don't take Steve's advice here. Okay. But I was in school, junior year, and I'm sitting in class, my phone's blowing up. I had like one of the big cell phones, big old block cell phones. My phone's blowing up. It's all these customers. They want help. They want landscaping. They want my services. And I just walked. I like packed in my truck and walked. And then I I drove home and I said, I'm gonna go full time on my landscape business. I did that for 13 years. I grew into a multi-million dollar company. So it's like this crazy path. I was never thinking handing out business cards would be a business. I was just doing it to make some money on the side, right? To pay for school. So I do that for 13 years. I meet a lot of people and guess who my clients were? All the people with money, CEOs, presidents, entrepreneurs, business owners. These are all the people I'm rubbing shoulders with in my twenties. So I leave that whole field. And then I go into, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and get my degree. So I get my undergrad in accounting and finance. I go get my master's. Uh, And during this part of my life, people start hiring me to do consulting work because they knew what I was doing with my business. They said, hey, come help us with our business. So I started consulting. I never thought I'd be consulting. And then I go into public accounting and I work at Ernst & Young and I do that for a little bit. And then I leave. And then I started my own consulting practice. Like It goes from this side gig to this full-time gig. And then I get hired on as a CFO for one of my clients. I'm I'm a CFO of this billion dollar company. And then I leave there and then I get hired on and I'm a CFO of a fintech company in technology. So like my path is so messy. So my point is, it's like along the way, I was rubbing shoulders with people. I was networking. I was working on my communication skills. I was understanding financials, how that worked. Like building up my financial literacy skills, like doing all these things, building these skills and having all these experiences and look at where it's, it's led me. You know, I started this boosting your financial IQ platform. That was never in the plans. It's never in the plans to have like thousands of people like following this, this podcast and in this platform. So it's just crazy how life works out. So that's my point. There's so many things you can go into the trades. You could work for a plumbing company and make a hundred grand a year. You don't have to go to school necessarily, get this degree, work your way up the corporate ladder. There's so many opportunities and so many different pathways for your generation. That's what gets me all pumped up. I'm like, I wish I was your age again, because dang, I would go out there and like kill it. I I guess then the follow-up would be, I guess looking at this mountain of general skills, it's like, uh-huh. where do I start kind of question, you know, like 
what do I do today to start on this and start chipping away at that mountain, I guess. Yeah. Well, let me say this. I mean, here's been my strategy. And when you're working in a college town, like when you're going to school in a college town, just the job, I mean, there's so many students, right? So the supply like outstrips the demand. So wages are depressed. Okay. So if you're working in a college town, that that's what you're going to get. When I was going to school, no, I worked in the college town for this telemarketing company is the worst job ever. I did it for two weeks and I made minimum wage. And then I go to pick up my paycheck after I quit after two weeks. He's like, this is terrible. I left, I go to pick up my paycheck. My check was $80 after tax. I got a flat tire on the way. So I had to go get my tire fixed is 80 bucks. I was like, what the heck? I just swapped two weeks of my time. And that's where I was like, I got to do something different. So it's like, where do you start? Here's the thing you got to ask yourself. Are you doing the scary stuff in life? Are you scaring the crap out of yourself every single day? So you guys know what I'm talking about. There's things that you know that you're like, you know what? I should go out there. I should call that person. I should go ask for that job. I should go hand out business cards. I should create a website. I should, you know, whatever it is, all these things that you should do, the scary stuff. I'm like, nah, I'm not, I can't do that. I can't do this. And then we just like hold ourselves back. So, you know, you're building skills and you're doing the right things. If you're doing the scary things, right? If you're scared of getting up in front of the class and speaking, like you got to force yourself to do that because you're building these skills, but there's so many resources at your fingertips as well. Like YouTube, you can learn anything. If you want to code, you want to learn about cryptocurrency, you want to start an online business. If you want to be a coach, you want to be a freelancer, you want to do video editing, you want to, whatever it is. I mean, you could learn all these skills. So when you're in school, like if I was in school and I was just talking to uh, my 15 year old Stephson about this, it's like, look, if I was your age, I'd be like walking down the street, knocking on doors and saying, Hey, can I wash your trash cans? I'll charge you, you know, $30. I'll power wash your trash can. I'd go door to door and do that. I want to go work for five, you know, he's not even five bucks an hour. It's like, you know, what is the minimum wage? Like 10, 7 25 an hour. I want to do that. You know, I'd be going to do that. Or if I didn't want to like mess with trash cans, I'd be like learning how to do video editing. And then I would go on like Upwork or Fiverr and I'd do video editing on the side for like 30 bucks an hour, 40, 50 bucks an hour, whatever it is. But there's so many opportunities to do a side hustle and like freelance. And then you start freelancing. You're like, you know what? I really like video editing. I'm going to create a business out of it. Or you're doing video editing and then you meet somebody who's producing videos in an industry you like. And you're like, hey, I'm going to start a business in this industry. So I think there's pathways that come about when you start, like when you start working, that's when things are going to come about. If you don't mind, I, I have a question kind of about that. Um, so before this, we had talked a little bit about kind of, you know, my career path. And quite honestly, I'm not looking to make a whole lot of money in my life, right? I, I told you I wanted to work government and stuff. That's what I want to do. So I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, you had mentioned starting now, starting looking at those side hustles, but you had mentioned those going into almost businesses, careers. For me, someone who's looking to just get you know, basically a nine to five, what kind of side hustles should someone like me be looking at who's wanting a full-time career, but maybe something that could help out on the side? No, I think that's a great question. I think if you go on to those sites, like I was mentioning Upwork and Fiverr, and there's other freelancing sites out there, go out there and, and look at the categories that they have listed. And what you'll see is you'll have all these different categories of, you know, podcast editing, video editing, there's marketing, social media people. There's all these things like there'll be people that will help you to grow their Instagram following, or like I said, editing YouTube videos or 
doing copywriting or whatever. And, and now the, the cool thing is, is with like artificial intelligence, you can just learn how to use artificial intelligence and help people to use that tool, the, the older generation, teach them how to use artificial intelligence, create a little course and sell it online for, you know, some money and, and go from there. So I think there's a lot of opportunities, but you should go after something that you're passionate about. Like if you hate writing, like I cannot stand writing. I hate any type of writing assignment in college. You probably don't want to do a, a side hustle there. But if you're like, you know, what? I really like video editing and there's something cool here. I like building websites. I'm a creative. Then maybe you can explore something there if that makes sense. And it doesn't need to start with the business. You can just say, Hey, I'm going to do this and charge people by the hour. And, you know, I'll make a few thousand bucks here and there on the side and uh, it'll, it'll be a great gig for me. And then later on, if you want to do your own business, great. But if it's just something to get you to the next step, I think that's a great opportunity as well. Something scary on the side, like you said, just try it out. Right. Yeah. And even if you're like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. Like I don't have the skills. It's like, guess what? If you believe that, like nothing ever will come to you. When I started out, I had no clue what I was doing with landscaping. I had no clue. Like It's not like I studied horticulture or landscape design. I just went out there. I read books. I watched videos. I talked to people. I studied. I, I drove around neighborhoods, looked at what was trending, and I just figured it out. So you guys are smart. Like Your generation is one of the smartest generations, most technically savvy generations out there. I, I'm like super bullish on your generation. And you have all these resources at your fingertips. Like you're, you're going to figure it out. You're very resourceful. I'm not not worried about that at all. It's just getting out there and putting the work in. You've talked a lot about just gaining that experience, and I feel like that's a huge part of like for me, like college degree. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. But kind of at the end of the day, it leads me to the door, but it doesn't necessarily open those doors for me. And I feel like what you've been saying is gaining that experience, right? Kind of getting my foot in the door, trying things out and learning things. And so for you, what experience have you had that's made the biggest impact? I think the biggest impact is, is just understanding people and how people play a part in all of this, this whole equation, right? So for the longest time, you know, sadly, I have to admit this, it's like I was so focused on business or school or the deal or this thing. And people were kind of this nuisance for me. It's like, stop bothering me. I'm trying to you know, build this website, stop bothering me. I'm trying to create this proposal or finish this design. Ah, these people. And then one day I realized like, oh my gosh, right in front of my face is the biggest opportunity. So people like that's where your opportunities come from. So the thing that I learned, it's like when I finally like realized like the error of my ways and I realized how valuable relationships are like really valuable. Like everybody says that. But when I started realizing that that's when my whole life changed. So I started reaching out to like my landscape companies said, or my landscape clients say, Hey, can I meet you for lunch? I want to pick your brain. Like, how did you start your business? How did you get started? Like, what kind of habits do you have? And I'd ask them questions like, what time do you wake up in the morning? What's your routine? Like, what's your pattern? Like, how did you do? I, I wanted to, I want to learn as much as possible. And then I'd follow up with them. So here I am this like 20 year old kid and I'm having lunch with 40, 50 year old people, like business executives, and they're more than happy to help you out. The people that you run into, there's no coincidence in that. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I believe like there's a greater like divine design in all this. So like you run into people, it's not a coincidence. You meet somebody and that opens a door and opens another door and opens another door. And it's like that YouTube video, the commencement Steve Jobs gave at uh, Stanford. 
And he says, you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And I think having these relationships, meeting people, you know, staying in touch, like adding value to people. Mm-hmm. Don't be one of those people that goes out there and, you know, just uses people because people can see right through you. Don't right. try to do that networking with people or, you know, try to use people because they can see right through you. And that's like, that's really bad. Build valuable relationships where you care about them and you take a genuine interest in their, in their lives. And like things will blossom out of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And with like teachers, when I was in my undergrad, I didn't really talk to my teachers, like the professor and the student. Then there's such a gap between the two. Then when I got into my master's program and I always paid for my school, but when I got to my master's program, it got really expensive. And I was like, wow, you know, like calculate the number of dollars you're paying per hour in class. Like, wow, that's a lot of money here. And so I would meet with my professors like, outside of class, I'd ask them questions and I'd pick their brain all the time. And then when I got into my MBA program, especially I'm like, holy cow, I'm paying a ton of money for this. So I would spend as much time as possible with my professors. I've had them on my podcast. I've had phone call conversations with them afterwards. I quoted them in my books. I, you know, there's this whole thing like, like tapping into the resources right in front of you because all the job opportunities and everything else that have come my way have come from people and relationships not from like this paper degree hanging on my wall or anything else. It's like getting yourself out there and increasing the velocity of these opportunities. That's awesome. Thank you. What about investing? Let's talk about investing, finance, money. What kind of questions do you guys have related to the, these types of topics? Oh, I have one. I don't know if necessarily this counts investing, but putting toward putting something forward for like, financial stability in the future you know what can i do now in order to make sure that not not just stability but maybe financial freedom in the future would be the way that i think of that what what are some things that i can put into or look at now no that's great i I think it's like the younger you start the better so like with my kids hopefully they're they're not listening to this podcast because they don't really know about this but i set up a 529 plan for them when they were like right out of the womb and I contributed to that like consistently every single month. It just came right out of my account and it went into this 529 plan. And this is a plan where you could save money and there's some tax benefits to it, right? And when they get to the age of getting into college, they can use this money towards their school. And there's these tax benefits associated with this account, but it's investing it early on. So I made these monthly deposits into their account. And then I look back, like I get their statements and now my son is six, my daughter is nine. She's about to turn 10. And I look at their statements. I'm like, dang, they got a lot of money in this account. Like when I was that age, I had like, you know, maybe 50 bucks from like birthday money. And I look at them and I'm like, holy cow, you got a lot of money. That's why I say, don't tell them about that because I, you know, I don't want them to know that right, right at this point. But um, that's just me. But I, I think, it's starting young and it's like starting off as early as possible because the the law of compounding like the power of compounding is huge right the com the the, the power of compounding interest is is so powerful and, and if you start at a young age even if it's a small amount you know you can really uh, build a, a nice little nest egg to to get you on the right path but let me talk about that here for a second okay because i think this is where there's a lot of advice and misconception okay so right now the savings rates, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you could get like an online savings rate or savings account. And I think they're paying out like three and a half percent interest. I was looking at 
a Marcus savings account, which is a Goldman Sachs type bank account, it's an online account that you could get, and it pays about three and a half percent interest. Okay. There's the whole rule of 72 in finance, which means take 72 divided by the interest rate that you're earning, and that's how long it takes to double your money. So if you're earning 10%, 72 divided by 10, that's 7.2 years, you'll double your money. So at 3%, you can see how long it would take you to double your money, like 25 years, right? If you look at the savings rates back in the day, just like a few years ago before interest rates started to increase, I know my savings account is earning like point. One five or something percent, you know. So people are like, save your money, put it in the bank. Okay, well, yeah, you could do that, but I mean, let's say you come up with five thousand dollars. Well, in twenty five years, okay, it'll be worth ten thousand. Woo, you know, it's like nothing. It's like barely keeping up with inflation. So instead, you can invest your money in stocks and other financial instruments. And at your age, it's like you could put the money away and just like pretend like it's gone. And if you lose it or it goes down, up and down, it's going to go up and down year over year. Like you don't have to worry about it because you have so much ground to make up. I was just talking to my son about this where it's like, okay, this is how a stock works and this is how you can get started. So you can save money and you can invest it in stocks and you could pick individual stocks. If you're bullish on certain companies, you're like, I love Apple and I think Apple is going to be like the future. They're going to continue to be successful. Okay. You could buy individual stocks like that. I'm not saying go out and buy Apple stocks. Okay. But just using that as an example. So you can buy individual stocks and just build this portfolio on your own. You can invest in ETFs, which are exchange traded funds, which work like mutual funds, but mutual funds with ETFs instead of with mutual funds, you can buy them uh, just like a stock. Mutual funds are a little bit different. So ETFs are great. You can invest in low cost index funds and there's a low expense ratio associated with those index funds. So Vanguard has like a lot of low low cost index funds. You have like VFINX, that's a low cost index fund. And there's a small expense ratio associated with this investment and it'll grow over time. So for example, there's an ETF called SPY and that follows the S&P 500. And so if you invest in that, I was just looking up here um, the other day, it's returned about 9.7% over a longer time period. So it's 10% interest there. So once again, every seven years, you're going to double your money at that rate. Uh, you could also invest in other stocks and other um, like REITs and other types of financial securities. And that 10% you know, will really compound over time. So it's it's being smart. Like you want to have some cash, like liquid cash and like savings to cover for like a rainy day event. But then what I would be doing is I'd be putting money into financial assets, investing in financial assets and real estate and stocks, um, commodities and all, you know, you could invest in currencies, whatever you want to invest in, but invest in a, a bucket of things and then just pretend like the money's gone. No, don't even touch it. Like don't buy it to like trade it, but just Say, okay, I'm going to put a hundred bucks a month away. It's gone. Never touch it. Just invest it and, and keep it in there and let it grow. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting looking at like, you know, that obviously I want that money, right? But thinking about it as, you know, just putting it away and keeping it away. So is there ever, would there ever even be a time, like say I chose my thing and, you know, my $5,000, as you said, as the example, I put that in. 
would there ever be a time that I want to take that out? Or am I waiting until like the end of the line? I, I'm retired. I'm looking to go to the islands and just relax. That's when I take it out. Or is there ever a time in between where it would be a good and maybe idea to take it out or no? Well, I think it depends on what type of financial instrument your money is in. So if you're in an IRA or like a 401k, then you can't take it out or you're going to be penalized. So there's certain age limits. So I would just look at those accounts. You're just putting money away. And then like one day later on down the road after you're 65 or whatever the age limit is at that time, you you take it out. Okay. So that that's one option there. Um, Cause you don't want to take the penalties and, and lose the money there. If you have your own stock account, then you're paying taxes on your money. Like you work in a job, you pay taxes on your money. After tax, you could take that money and go and invest it. Well, you can invest it. You could take it out at any time, right? And there's no like penalty because it's your own brokerage account. But here's the deal. When I was younger, you know, this is just Steve, okay? So you don't have to follow this at all, but this is just me. When I was younger, I was like psycho about saving money. So I bought my first car. It was a Honda CRX. It was like, you know, just slightly over 2000 bucks. I paid cash for it. I bought it at 16. Didn't get any help from my my mom. My mom was poor. You know, she didn't have any money. So it's just me. I had like no safety net. So it's like, I was on my own. So I bought that, paid for my own gas, my insurance, all this stuff. I was just like out on my own. And I just did it. And I was really, really wise with money. Now, when I was in public accounting, so fast forward, and I went into public accounting later than most people, but I was in my 30s. And here I was sitting in public accounting, working a ton of hours, and I was miserable. Like I hated it. And I had saved up enough money and I paid my mortgage six months in advance. And I had you know money and savings. And it was like, when I hated my job, I was like, I'm going to quit. And I remember my colleagues are like, you're going to quit? How can you quit? Like, I can't miss a paycheck or I'm not going to be able to like pay my mortgage. So I had that freedom to go out there and do whatever the heck I wanted. So it's like sacrificing now is going to give you more freedom in the future. Otherwise you're going to be a slave. So your friends are like, oh, check out my new Corvette or my new Jeep or like, look at my Gucci this or my Louis Vuitton bag this or whatever it is. And they're out spending all this money, but then they become a slave because you can't get out and you don't have that freedom to go switch careers or to build new skills and explore more or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one point I want to drive home. The other point is the, the the caveat to that is this. So there's a guy that I knew, he and his wife had this goal to pay off their house. And like, we're going to pay off our house. We're going to work really hard. We're going to put every single dollar back into the house. We're going to pay it off. And then when we pay it off, we're going to travel the world and go see all these things. So they did. And they scrimped, they saved, they paid off their house. Unfortunately, this is really sad. But like right after he paid off his house, his wife passed away. And it was like, oh my gosh, how terrible would that be? So you have like all this money and now you your house is paid off and you want to go travel around the world with like your best friend, the love of your life, and she's gone. Or I hear people like, yeah, one day I'm going to travel. It's like, yeah, when you're, when you're like 65 or 70, what are you going to do? Like go climb Machu Picchu? Right? You can, not saying you can't, but like- you're older. You're just, your body's more tired. It's just different, a different experience. So you have to live life and you have to have these experiences. My goal is like to go see 50 countries by 50. I'm at 32. So I spend my money on travel and adventure. That's, that's what I do. That's where I spend my money, education and travel because those experiences and that knowledge goes with me. So that's what I spend my money on. I had to make a lot of sacrifices to get there. A lot of sacrifices. So there's this balance 
in the two. I don't know if that makes sense. What are your what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you think that's crazy? Do you think you should just like eat, drink, and be merry? And uh for tomorrow we die, or or what's your uh your thought on that? I mean, I I think that totally makes sense. I've you know, it's it's kind of fun seeing I don't know, I've you know been in, in college for a little bit now. You see people, you know, kids coming out to college and they're like, yeah, freedom. I got it. Finally, you see them, you know, spending stuff, spending money on stuff that they might not necessarily need, but of course, mom and dad aren't going to say no now. So why not? Um, but yeah, you know, looking forward at those, you know, what do I want to do with my money in the future? Well, if I'm spending on money, money on stuff I might not need now, it's not going to be as much of a freedom thing in the future. So the slave to my own choices now is and definitely a uh, caveat to spending and saving, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I also believe that that's like a principle for life though. Even with fitness, if you just waste your life away while you're young and not like look at, look for the future and for longevity, that really will mess with you. So I guess it's just a life principle for a lot of things. So as well, not just money, but with your health and with all things that are important, I think you need to just be disciplined throughout your entire life instead of just, it's like I can, I can have a cheat day and then work for the rest or I can cheat half my life and then work for the rest of my life. It's kind of just, you have, you have, you got to find your balance. And if you don't, you're not going to have one. You're going to hate your life. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think just adding on to that, everyone's priorities are different, right? So some people like what matters to them is that car. Other people it's traveling. And I lean more towards traveling with you. I like the experience of it. Those are things I could keep with me. But what's wrong is when we no longer have the means for that. So if I want that car, that's great, but I'm sacrificing. So what am I sacrificing to get that? And so I think it's just going back to what are our priorities? Where are we investing? What are we spending in? And are we staying within those parameters? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's a great point. And I always envision myself, you know, that app where you like take a picture of yourself and you can make yourself look like, a 70 or 80 year old, you know, you change it. Yeah. So I did that once and I was like, Whoa, that's creepy. Is that what I'm going to look like? You know, I'm still bald. So at least it's like, I'm not (laughs) balder, balder. Maybe I'll lose my eyebrows or something crazy or have more hair coming out my ears. But I look at that picture and I think often to myself, what would that person say to me? Is your 70 year old self looking at you? Like, what the heck? Like, where did all the money go? And your 20 year old self's like, sorry, I spent it. You know, look at this new car I got over here. Look at these new jeans, right? So you have to be mindful of your future self because you don't want to be in a position when you're like 60 or 70 or 80 and you're still working and you and you have a mortgage and, you know, you're just like financially trapped. I mean, that'd be a, a terrible way to spend the last few years of your life is just stuck financially because you lived just wild, wildly when you're younger and you just spent a bunch of money on frivolous stuff you definitely have to be very careful. I hear a lot of people in your generation, and I don't know if you come across this, but it's like this payment generation, like the minimum payment generation is the the best way I can describe it, where they look at, okay, what's the monthly payment instead of what's the long-term cost? So I think when you look at like Netflix, you're like, oh yeah, I could totally afford that. It's like 15 bucks a month. Oh, I could do Hulu. It's like 10 bucks a month. Oh, I could do this. It's only 20 bucks a month, whatever it is. Back in the day, you know, now I'm I'm the older person saying, okay, back in the day, but back in the day, it was like you buy Microsoft Windows for like 150 bucks. 
and you have that on your computer forever. You have it like a disc until it like becomes so outdated. You have to buy the next thing. But now everything's just like monthly or yearly. And it's just like a subscription. And same thing with debt. People will go get debt and they're like, well, I can afford this. The minimum payment's 90 bucks a month. I could do that. And it's like, do you know how much you're paying in interest? It's crazy. You know, some of these loans are just like sharks. They're just like killing you in interest. So I think you have to be very mindful of what are you spending on today? Because you're borrowing from your future self. You take out debt right now, you're borrowing from your 25, 30, 45, 50-year-old self. Your 50-year-old self is like, what the heck are you doing? You're borrowing money from me today. I didn't give you that permission, but we do that without thinking more long-term. If you don't mind, I actually... so. There's, there's debt, obviously there's things you don't want to get into, but in terms of like building credit, if you know what I mean, like you, you have to kind of go into a little bit, you have to make sure in order to build credit, you have to show banks that you're financially responsible. How, what's a safe way to kind of go about doing that then putting in for houses, for instance, we had talked a little bit about that earlier, or, you know, I've just had a couple of tires blow out of my car and I had to go put stuff on my credit card because I can't pay for that out of pocket immediately. So what's like the safe way to do that? Well, I think building credit's good. Look, when I was young, I tried to figure out how to get a credit card, like at the the youngest legal age possible. So I remember going to the credit union and like, yeah, we, you don't have any credit. You have no credit history. We can't give you a credit card. So I got like the secured credit card thing where I had like $300 in a bank account. And then they gave me a $300 credit line. So it was really like, is my money. But I did that for several months. I charged money on this card and then I paid it off, charged money on the card, paid it off. And then I got credit history and then I got my first credit card and then it all went from there. So look, sometimes you're in a situation where you have to use a credit card. I mean, that's just what it is. I think the danger is, is in the mindset where you're like, you know, I'm just going to go buy this or I'm going to go on this trip or whatever. And I'm going to put it on a credit card and I'll just pay the minimum payment over time. Like you're going to be paying so much for that trip. And it's crazy. Like people will go to the store and like, I'm not going to buy that shirt until it goes on sale. I'm going to wait till it goes like, you know, Black Friday sale, and then I'll go buy that. And it's like, but then they put it on a credit card, and the 20% they saved, they're paying, you know, for a $20 shirt, 150 bucks, you know, with interest over time. So I think building credit is important. So if you take out debt for like a car or for like student loans or for a house, like not getting over your head. You know, taking out that money, but making the monthly payments and being like so disciplined by making those payments and making sure you could pay it off is going to be really, really critical. Because if you don't have credit, especially in the US, it's like so hard to do a whole lot. So it's avoiding that frivolous spending, like you were saying earlier, like make sure you know what you're going to be doing with your money. Yep. And unfortunately for your generation, here's the thing. It's like, I was just driving around today before this call and I see all this construction, all these apartment buildings, all these rent type assets, like these houses out there for rent. A lot of these builders now are doing build to rent, which is crazy. They're building like huge communities and they're all build to rent homes. They're just building them to rent them out. And the reason why is because they recognize that this generation coming up, they don't have a lot of assets or they don't have the ability to buy, or maybe some of them don't want to buy and they're just going to rent it out. You know, so they just make that monthly payment. You just look at it you're like, well, I could afford this place. I'll just make the monthly payment, but you never get ahead and you never build that asset base that will enable you to have that financial freedom, which is really important. We got like one more question, then we'll, we'll cut it off here. So I have, I have two questions. Can I give two questions real quick? Yeah, do it, do it TC. I All right. It. My, my first big question is, um, 
So right now, like, I mean, we're talking about retail and retail prices right now are heavy. And I just, the question is like, should we rent for right now until kind of housing prices come back down? And then the other question is more in long the investing, which is I've been probably investing for about a year. And I guess the question is, how do I find bonds and how do I diversify a portfolio while still, um, the, and being able to find risk, I guess, a risk management and that I can afford. Those are the yeah. two questions I have. Okay. Great question. So we'll, we'll wrap up on these two questions, but I think these are really, really important questions. So I, I definitely want to spend the time to answer these. The first question is if you need housing, you need housing, right? So if you're in a position here, like I need to go rent, like obviously you need to go rent. And there's so many different opinions about this. Like, should you buy a home? Is a home a good investment or is it not a good investment because you buy it? And then you have like maintenance costs. It locks you down. You know, you pay 6% to buy a house, even if the seller is paying for that, like ultimately it's baked into the price. So you have like a 6% transaction fee every time you buy or sell a home. You have these interest costs and you have taxes and everything else and maintenance. So is it a good investment? We're not going to get into that, but let me just say this. I had somebody who tried to time the market, somebody who's close to me and they they sold their home, right? And they're like, okay, we're going to sell our home. Prices are so high. Like the housing market's hot. We're going to sell our home. We're going to go rent. And then when it crashes, because it's going to crash, we're going to come back and buy this home. We're going to make all this money. So that's what they did. They sold their home, went and rented, rented for a year. And they're like, dang, the housing market's like hot still. And then they waited two years. And then it's like, dang, the housing market is hot. And then they waited even longer and they're like, dang, it's super hot. We better buy a house. So they bought a house. They got a house that was more expensive, that was smaller and not as nice. So the prices like continue to go up. So when you buy a house, the nice thing is, is that at least you have inflation. So the debt that you have on the house gets inflated away, which is a good thing, right? So inflation was like over 10% this year. And so if you think about it, like the dollars that you're paying back, as long as wages continue to climb, like you're paying back that debt with inflated dollars because one day, let's face it, like the person working at McDonald's is going to be making a million bucks a year, just how like our money supply is going, right? So you'll have a you know $750,000 mortgage and it'll be nothing because your wages continue to climb, hopefully. Okay. So that, that's the thing. So I think not throwing money away and building some type of equity is going to be important. And whether a house is a good investment or not, by having a house, you can leverage that equity and you can get other loans or do a home equity line of credit, or it just builds the credit for you to do more things. Okay. So that that's pretty important. The second thing is going back to the investment piece. There are financial advisors out there, right? And, um, and there are good financial advisors that do a, do a lot of good, but you have to be careful because there are brokers and there are RIAs, right? Independent advisors and there's a hybrid of the two. So brokers, they have no fiduciary responsibility to put you in products and services that benefit you. Of course, you you hope that they're acting um, in your best interest, but they're gonna they could put you in funds or investments that benefit them, that have high fees, commissions paid back to them, but they underperform and they don't care. There's no like legal requirement for them to do that. If you're registered as an RIA, then you have a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interest of your clients. But then there's some RIAs that are duly registered. 
So they there's like this back door where they where they can still sell you investments as a broker. So you have to be careful of that because some people are like, oh, just find a, a good financial advisor that you trust and just give give them your money. And then that's how you get started. And that can work well, but you have to ask the right questions. That's really, really important. You have to ask the right questions because the expenses you pay, the fees you pay can really add up over time. Now you may be saying, well, Steve, it's just 2%. That's all they charge to manage my money. And I'm earning 8% on average in the market. So I'm still earning 6%. Well, that 2% can be huge when it's compounded over time, a huge difference. So when you're investing, like make sure you're asking like, are you a broker? Okay. Number one. And if they're, or if they're just a broker registered as a broker, be, beware and be careful. You want to make sure that what are their commissions that they're being paid? Are they acting in your best interest? So you got to ask the right questions to your financial advisor, but then also you have to look at the fees that you're paying on these investments. So they put you in mutual funds or they put you in other investments and they're underperforming the market and you're not doing well and, and you'll never get ahead. Like I said, there's low cost index funds that just follow the stock market. They just they just follow whatever the stock market does and the fees are really low, sometimes like 0.05% versus 2%, which is huge. If I was in your spot, I would be investing in ETFs or index funds that just follow the market that were low cost. And I would just put that money in there and I would I wouldn't look at it. But I want to do it. I would do it over time. So I'd buy in consistently over time. Don't just take like a thousand bucks and be like, okay, I'm just going to put it in the market tomorrow. That, that's a terrible idea. You got to do dollar cost averaging, but just put that money in there and just let it go. Just treat it as a bill. Just pretend like it's a credit card payment. You just buy this stock. It's a hundred bucks or this ETF or this index fund. You just hundred bucks every single month. Just put it away. Never touch it. Never look at it. You're not, you're not going to do anything with that. Just having that discipline to get started right now is really important. But here's the last thing I'm going to say on this. It's not necessarily about putting $100 a month in and building financial wealth. Okay, it's not. The, the other thing is, is like when I go out to eat, oftentimes I won't order a drink because it's like $3, $4 for a soda. Well, you do that every single day. You buy a soda when you're out and it's over a thousand bucks a year just by doing that. Or like, just have have small little things. I'm I'm a weirdo, you know. I'll go out and buy you know a, an e bike, but then I when I go to Chipotle, I'm like, I'm not going to spend three dollars on guacamole. That's crazy, you know. I won't even taste it in the burrito. It's all mixed in. But it's the small things that make all the difference in the world. So it's not your hundred bucks a month that you're putting away. It's the habit that you're forming. And if you say to yourself right now, hundred bucks, I can't do it. I mean, that's like 10% of my income. I can't do that. Well, guess what? When you have $100,000 a year, you're going to be like 10,000. That's way too much. That's 10% of my income. And when you have a million bucks a year, you're not going to put away a hundred grand because you don't have the habit. You don't have that discipline. So that's what it's about. It's not the $3 at Chipotle. It's not the guacamole that I sacrifice, but it's the other sacrifices in life that compound. So it's the small and simple things. You guys know this is the small and simple things that make all the difference in the world. So if that's the message that I have to leave with you is like, it's the small things that count. It's the scary small things. Oh my gosh. Like I've been meaning to call this person. I've been meaning to go have lunch with this professor. I want to go talk to this business owner and like pick their brain. I want to go out there and learn the skill. I want to, you know, start freelancing, whatever it is, that scary stuff, just do the small things. 
I'm nothing special. I just do a bunch of small things. I like force myself to do that. And same thing with investing. Don't wait until you have a thousand dollars or until you could take a thousand dollars and make it into a million dollars by some, some scheme out there. Just do the small, simple things. And it, it like compounds and you build these like habits and this financial muscle that will allow you to be so successful moving forward. Karina, any, any parting words on your end? And then I'll go to you, Coleman. I don't think so. That was awesome. Thank you. I really appreciated this part of our experience. I think that's what I'm going to focus on building that experience right now. So thank you. Excellent. Coleman. Yeah, no, I'm same thing, Steve. I, I really appreciate it. I came in. I'm pretty, honestly, pretty clueless about most of this. You know, I've always been frugal, but you've definitely given some good, you know, milestones I can look at, or at least places I can, you know, starting paths. So I really do appreciate it. It was very helpful. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your questions. TC, thanks for putting this together. Did I answer your last question? Good enough? Yeah, totally. Great. Any parting words for you? I think just basically, I think the big thing that we've kind of hit hard today is you have to pursue what you want. And if you don't pursue it, you're not going to get it. You know, uh, sometimes we, we have hopes and dreams, but we're too scared to pursue it. And so when we pursue it, that's when, that's when they'll come to pass. So. I agree. And when was it the first, when I met you, how old were you? 50, were you 16 or 15? How old were you? (laughs) Way too long ago. Way when I was naive. Yeah. And and look at you now. And it's like, it's just the small, simple things and you're doing great in life and you're just going to continue to be successful. And that's for both you two, Karina, for Coleman, for everybody listening out there, like the millions of people, like if you feel discouraged, if you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this? Or the world just seems scary. The future is so bright. I believe in this generation. I'm super bullish on this generation. You have everything you need to be successful. You just have to go out there and like have faith, have hope. Don't let fear get in the way and just go out there and kill it. And, you know, I think you'll be very, very successful. So thank you for your time. Thanks for your questions. I love this kind of stuff. And, it's very valuable for me. I learned from it. it sorry, I did all the talking today. It feels like I did a lot of talking, but um, it was good I, talking. I good talking. Good talking. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. And um, signing off, and everybody who's uh, listening, thanks for joining in. And in the meantime, uh, take care of yourself. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. 
BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play App Store today. Thanks again.